So the 2024 F1 season is finally underway and Max Verstappen won. So we will see you in 2025. Well, we've still got 23 more races to go yet. But welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast and welcome back to our first race review of the season. My name is Louis Edwards and today joining me, we have F1 writer Jared Jakob. G'day everyone. And F1 historian Alex Booth. Hello. But before we get into this episode, we must of course thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. So remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bets online, where the game starts. Well, Jared, we may as well get into this race. I mean, qualifying yesterday, it made it seem like, oh, Maybe, you know, these top three teams, top four teams, it's going to be close. But no, Max Verstappen, he won by 22 and a half seconds from his teammate. It's two years in a row now we've had a Red Bull 1-2 Bahrain. Does it kind of feel a bit like deja vu? A little bit, but I don't want to lose optimism already. Like, it was pretty much a decanter that Max won this one. And uh, last year, it was, what, 12 seconds the gap between first and second this year, add another 10 seconds to it. And yeah, you know, he, he was comfortable. I don't think at any moment during the race, he seemed overwhelmed or flustered or, you know, having any issues with the car. He was just, you know, in perfect harmony is what I saw. So really just picking up from where he left off last year. But, you know, the question is, I guess, around everyone else, how they're managing their race pace and tyres, because, Red Bull, no matter what tyre you put on that car at the moment, or at this track in particular, with with the three days of testing having run here too, they looked invincible. And Perez as well, you know, margin aside, still finishing second, 1-2 result, the perfect result for Red Bull. And perfect way to start their Constructors' Championship defence as well for this year. Yeah, it certainly was. I don't think they could have done really much better they've, they've taken absolutely every single point available to them and yeah look in a very strong position god only knows what to expect after japan when they bring the upgrades but alex behind them was the two ferraris and well ferrari didn't exactly make it easy for themselves today leclerc had brake issues for a lot of the race he was often seen going off in in turn 10 and not only, you know, Leclerc's breaking issues, but Leclerc and Sainz did have a good few battles deciding who was going to get that final podium spot. They did. That was one moment of action we had in what was a frankly largely uneventful race. I'm sorry to say. But yeah, Sainz and Leclerc came close in the first corner and, and Sainz went out. As you say, Leclerc was struggling with brake issues through, through most of the race. He didn't seem to have any confidence going into the braking zones and the front end just wasn't going exactly where he wanted it. So third and fourth, that's not really where Ferrari were wanting to be. Science has come out in an interview uh, afterwards saying he was surprised at how much they could keep up with the Red Bull. Well, one Red Bull, 
at least. He was three seconds behind Perez at the end, but yeah, that's quite optimistic, I think. 25 seconds, if that's the definition of keeping up with the Red Bull, then yeah, the, the, there's there's work in progress, I think, for Ferrari there. Yeah, I mean, they're one, they're one lap pace, like sort of similar to last year. It does look pretty good. Uh, Charles did a good job, but as you as you said, uh, he just couldn't seem to get a, a much of a grip of that front end today. and It, it, it certainly cost him. Because he, Jared, he spent most of his time fighting with uh, George Russell. They were definitely swapping and changing, but it was it was looking initially very good for George Russell. He was up into P two, but then seemingly some power unit issues that they were having just meant that his pace just dropped off, and he was, I guess, could kind of say lucky that Norris didn't have an extra few laps to catch him. Yeah, it was an interesting one for Mercedes where, you know, you had one driver up there and challenging for the podium and then all of a sudden just just nowhere, you know, and almost swallowed up by the McLaren, like you said. But yeah, it feels like both the cars throughout the race were having intermittent problems with the power unit. And I think on the Williams drivers as well, who of course use the Mercedes power unit, having issues too with their cooling so didn't seem like you know a smooth one for Mercedes but Russell already I guess putting his foot down you know looking ahead I guess to the the era without Lewis Hamilton there from 2025 onwards Uh, yeah I feel like that car on the hard tire in particular struggled with their with their stints relative to Ferrari and and McLaren as well but you know, I feel like as much as I thought McLaren had, you know, lap time advantage, they couldn't really close the gap. And then in the end, Hamilton as well kind of pipped Oscar Piastri in the pit stop for the second stop to get seventh. Um, but it was far from an ideal race for him. I think it's his worst result in Bahrain in, since 2014 or since he's been a Mercedes driver as well, finishing in seventh. And at one point he was saying that he was driving around with a broken seat. So don't know how far you can get with that. But he finished the race and and afterwards in an interview, he was asked if there's any positives to take into next week. And he said, the car's reliable. And, you know, that's about it. So, you know, doesn't seem to wreak much optimism after this first one. But, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how this narrative plays out. Yeah, I definitely. I think there's definitely some positives. Probably a bit more than Hamilton's uh, uh, giving off. You know, I think there is definitely some good race pace there. I think, unfortunately, Hamilton was kind of just bogged down from where his his qualifying position was because Russell initially in that race was uh, was doing very well. But as you said, I think that tyres just didn't quite work on that car today around Bahrain. So we'll move on to McLaren. Alex, so of course, we had Lando Norris in P6 and then Oscar Piastri in P8. I think this is pretty much where we can expect McLaren to be at the moment. They're, they've they've been saying throughout testing and even in, into this weekend that they're not expecting to be challenging at the front. They This is kind of the area where they expect to be. So do you think they'll be satisfied? You know, it's a good haul of points. It's certainly much better than they did here last year. Well, if that's what they're expecting, then I would imagine they would be satisfied. And as you say, it's certainly a lot better than the last two years, really. The last two years, they've been dreadful at the start of the season of McLaren. And, but I I was expecting McLaren more to carry on their form from the end of last year, where they were a, 
at some point that they were second they were the second best team really. So um it's a shame that they haven't managed to keep that. Under Doris had a had a decent race, um, which he needed because if anybody saw me on social media this week I was quite critical of him, so he an- he answered me at least. Oscar Fiastri, I felt he was a bit anonymous in, in that race at times. All the week the weekend really. He's not really he's not really settled in, I think. Quite, quite yet this season, but he definitely, will, he definitely will find his form again. Uh, but yeah, six and eight, um, ten points from McLaren after race one. That's a, that's a good thing to build on. Yeah, this is is definitely potential. I think they're expecting a, I think a few races down the line. Possibly, I think Imola was kind of the timetable that they were given before their their kind of major upgrades are coming. So, you know, as a, as a McLaren fan myself. I'll certainly take points at this at this stage of the season and hope that there will be more to come, especially in the next few weeks. So rounding out the top ten, Jad was the two Aston Martins. Fernando Alonso had a you know, fairly reasonable qualifying, was a uh, jostling around at the start of the race, but eventually kind of got spat out towards the back end of the top ten. While Lance Stroll, I would say, it was a very good race from Lance Stroll. You know often someone who is fairly critical but after being hit by Hulkenberg on on lap one facing the other way he's managed to storm back and and get himself a point yeah credit Stu where it's due I guess for Lance Stroll and what he started outside the top 10 and got involved in that unfortunate incident on the opening lap I think the only incident that we saw in this race and then pretty much had to race from the rear back forwards and denied, in my opinion, one new Jura point in this one. But, you know, the Aston Martin, a much better car. And, yeah, you know, Stroll doing an excellent job to to be there behind his teammate, I guess, even if it is for 10th. But he's on the board, which is important, and kept his measure despite that early incident. And for Alonso, I guess, you know, yeah, qualified the McLarens on Saturday, and then that opening stint, you know, he kind of fell like a lead balloon, a little bit on the soft tire. It wasn't really great for him, but in the on the hard tire towards the end, we saw him come back from outside the top ten, and he he relegated Joe, and then Aston Martin did switch the positions between Stroll and Alonso, so he might be able to go and attack Piastri ahead. But I think it was tw- there was twenty seconds in it till before the end of the race, and. Uh, can't remember what the exact margin was at the end, but you know, it's I guess compared to where they were 12 months ago, it is a bit disappointing because they were the second quickest team coming out of Bahrain behind Red Bull. And at the moment, they very much look like their fifth overall, which is where they sit anyway, coming out of this one. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, from like in terms of like year by year comparison, it's definitely a step down. But I think given the strides the other teams have made, I think they can be more than happy with their one lap pace. But uh, yeah, race pace is uh, is certainly something that needs to be worked on. So we move now out of the point scoring area, Alex, and we'll start with Sauber. So Guan Yuzhou in 11th and Valtteri Bottas down in 19th. A bit of a horror show, I would say, for Bottas this race. Not only did he have a bit of his front wing hanging off for for most of the race, he also had an absolutely disastrous pit stop, which relegated him to 19th, which uh, effectively ended his race. But for 
Joe Guanyu, how would you rate his race? You know, P11, as Jared says, maybe quite unlucky to to not score a point, but I think encouraging signs from a driver who's maybe not had the most, you know, the biggest impact on Formula One since his arrival. No, he was solid today, uh, Joe Guanyu. Just a little bit unlucky just to miss out on the points. He tends to go well in Bahrain, though. He scored a point on his debut there a couple of years ago, and last year he got the fastest lap. And so it seems to be a decent circuit for him. And he he was the highest. Uh, he he beat, he beat both house cars and and the RVs. So when you've got the top five all finishing a race, that's you're not really going to be able to get much more. So P11 was the best he could do. Valtteri Bottas, he must have had deja vu from Monaco 2021 with a with a pit stop on the front wheel. At least the 52 seconds wasn't quite the two days that it took to get the front wheel off that time. He was going well up to that point, so it's a shame for him that he was he ended up down in 19th. Sauber, yeah. They did better than I thought they would, to be honest. I thought they were going to be uh, near the back. Um, I know Bottas was 19th, but he wouldn't have finished there without that uh, pit stop debacle. So no points to show for it, but uh, a reasonable day for them too, I think. Yeah, it's, it's certainly reasonable. I think they've they've, they've certainly made some, some inroads compared to last year and but as you said, if the top five are going to all finish the race, they are very much an established group here in terms of that sort of points area. So it's it's definitely going to be difficult for the likes of Salber be Haas to kind of break into that that point scoring position. Speaking of Haas, Jared, we'll move straight on to them. Kevin Magnussen, P12, and Nico Hulkenberg, P16. I'm not going to lie, Jared, I was a bit disappointed by Nico Hulkenberg today, given just how well he did in qualifying. Yeah, not great, but maybe on a bit of a positive spin, given all the self-doubt coming out of Haas before the season starting, I think P12 is a is quite a reasonable position for them to be. Most definitely, because coming out of testing and, and practice, we thought the RBs would be much quicker in race spec over over Haas, for example, and for them to get one car ahead of both the RBs. Nico Hulkenberg, I guess, you know, kind of self sabotaged his race with the opening lap incident with Stroll, and a bit disappointing, yeah, because we saw that you know the peak in qualifying again, and kind of rolled my eyes at that point, saying, "Well, here we go again. We're going to have them qualifying really well, and they're just going to drop." off completely in the race and I guess we didn't get a chance to see that without incident happening so that in that respect it's disappointing but you know for Magnussen to go up three positions from where he qualified and be ahead of theoretical quicker cars like the Williams as well of of Albon as we'll get to shortly to being behind him I think it's it's a decent job so you know I think we'll probably won't see them score points, you know, on a regular basis. But if they're showing race pace that can keep them away from the absolute back of the grid, where your Alpines and and your lesser lights are at, at the moment, then I think you know that is encouraging enough for them to see that they're making progress with the new direction that they've actually gone in. Yeah. It's- Definitely, I would say, a more encouraging start from Hassan than I was expecting. Now, Alex, we'll probably get on to you get to 
talk about possibly the juiciest moment of this race. And let's face it. So, Daniel Ricciardo, P13. Yuki Tsunoda, P14. I think Yuki Tsunoda is... He shouldn't have been finishing the 14th today, should he? No. Um, before we get into that, I will say I'm disappointed with the RB uh, this weekend. I expected them to be in the points, actually. I thought I thought they were going to be a lot higher than they were. So that, that that's that's the start. And then the radio call came about a position change, which I, I have to put it out there. I, I think drives me absolutely crackers, to be honest. There's no points at stake here. I don't understand why they can't just let them race, uh, really. It's it's pathetic, in my opinion, really. Um, then Yuki Tsunoda was, quite rightly, uh, a little bit miffed at, at that. Then Daniel Ricciardo's not been too complimentary of his team after, after that as well. So already there's some ups- upsetting going on, going on there at this point. Probably blow over by tomorrow, but uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really the, the ideal start of the season for them. But looking at the bigger picture, uh, they were expecting a lot more from the weekend than, than they did. It started really well on Thursday uh, in practice one, but that was only practice one, and they've come away with nothing. So the debrief will be a rather fiery one, I think, in that team this evening. Yeah, it really, really, I was, I, I'm, I agree with you. I was, I was definitely expecting RB to come out was something maybe be kind of in the place where the Aston Martins were. Yeah. But, yeah, come away with nothing and also to then have two quite unhappy drivers at the end of it is probably not one set what the new team principal of, of RB would want to have in his first race in charge. But we will move on now to Williams Jared of course one of the big changes we've seen to Williams this season is that they've changed from the chassis mounted dash to a steering steering wheel dash and maybe they'll <laughs> not be so happy about that given that we've got a perfect view of all the issues that were going on with their car today be it Logan Sargent brake uh, bias pushing forward by 30% or Alex Albon's Car too hot messages. Yeah. Not a good one for a reliability for Williams today, was it? No, not at all. And I just had to go back and look at the mileage completed in testing because I think one of the biggest things coming out of the preseason was that Williams achieved, I think, the lowest lap count of all the teams and they completed 298 at the end of the three days compared to Haas, who had done 439, which was the most. So, you know, already on the back foot in terms of knowledge gained about this particular car. And yeah, you know, the steering wheel thing, is as small as it might sound and, and, and hilarious, it is a big thing because since we had these hybrid turbo cars, Williams have always had the, the chassis mounted dash so i guess you know just little things like that for both the drivers to be getting used to as well as then having all the overheating issues that they had today as well logan Sargent, i guess don't really want to call him out for a rookie error even though he's not a rookie anymore but you know there's going to be more scrutiny on him this year for the fact that you know he did get a, a second chance from williams um and at the end of the day i think the mistake it was self-induced and I was looking for a replay for ages to see what happened. But yeah, when I found out that it was a, a mistake he made on his own going off the track at turn four and the screaming and frustration that we heard as well over the radio, it was like, yep, he's back at it trying to overdrive. So yeah, he's going to have to dial it back because it's possibly going to be an issue. And 
you know, with Albin, I guess, could do the maximum with what he was given. And, you know, today Williams' best was 15th, unfortunately. Yeah, it really wasn't a great showing from Williams. And they'll certainly be disappointed, not only with some of the issues that they were having with the car itself, but I'm sure Logan Sargent will will be wondering, you know, what what went wrong with him today and and how come he ended up two laps down, which is really, really not good. So finally, last uh, and very much least, Alex, we have Alpine. The very uh, ironically named Alpine, you know, going downhill is what Alpine, the Alpine skiing is all about. And they certainly have gone downhill. They qualified dead last yesterday and couldn't really do much better today. 17th, 18th, only above the two drivers that had issues. No, what can we say about Alpine, really? Uh, they're, they're in the doldrums at the moment, aren't they? But in fairness to them, they've kept their composure and they're, and they're keeping, you know, they're putting a brave face on it. They're trying to make the best of a bad situation. And, and, they, didn't, and they didn't finish last, albeit for reasons that, we, that we've already established. So that's, I suppose that's some minor consolation, really. And, but yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. Over there. It's not where a factory team is expected to be, is it, you know, bringing up the re- bringing up the rear and fighting for the wooden spoon. So I'm, I'll be interested to see, like, well, how they're going to uh, come back from this. Cause, I, mean, I suppose the only way is up, really. But, yeah, it's bad It's it's, it's uh, bad times for them at the moment. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a very, very long season. I'm not expecting some miracle turnaround from this team. They've usually been very underperforming and generally a bit, terrible and yeah i think it's going to take a lot of work to get that car competitive again so i think it's a site that we're gonna to have to get used to and maybe even less paint on the car by the end of the season just as a way to kick out a few more miles an hour from that car so we have gone through the results of today's season opener which really didn't feel much like a season opener did it but before we before we start to wrap up the show, of course, we need to hear your drivers of the day, guys. So, Jared, we'll start with you. Who was your pick today for driver of the day? Yeah, I voted for Carlos Sainz in the in the Grid Talk driver of the day as well. So, great race from him. Given the fact that we know that he won't be a Ferrari driver next year, you know, it's it's like he is driving for his future essentially, and. Yeah, you know, all the all the talk of Charles Leclerc being the number one and, you know, the team kind of gravitating around him. I still feel like Sainz is, you know, underrated in so many circles. So it's really good to see him come out and put in an assertive performance like this. So well done to the smooth operator. And Alex? I'm going to be a bit boring, but I can't look past Max Verstappen, I'm afraid. Just flawless. Yeah, I, I just have to quickly look at who I uh, voted for. I'm pretty certain that I voted for for Max Verstappen. I'm going to quickly go and check. Yes, I did. I did vote for Max Verstappen. Yeah, I think for the same reason as you, Alex, he was absolutely untouchable today. You know, even with the new changer, with the new DRS coming in one lap, he was gone. He was There was no chance that Leclerc was ever going to get him. And then as the, the rest of the pack squabbled, he got on with his day and did did rather well, to say the least, and I think it's a perfect start to his to his defence of his third world championship. But of course, I should also mention that uh, 
the Grid Talk official Grid Talk uh, uh, driver of the day was Carlos Sainz, and it's a decision I think I can I can fully back. I think it was a he he did drive a remarkable race today. So that is the end of our show. Pretty short one, unfortunately today, but that's what happens when nothing happens. So if you enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you would take five to leave us a five-star review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you are not yet subscribed to this to our YouTube channel and you are watching on our YouTube channel right now, please make sure to subscribe. We will be live streaming every single one of our race review shows this season. That also goes for sprint reviews. So if you subscribe and also make sure to hit the notification bell, you'll get notified as soon as we go live and you can get in on the action. Leave comments in the chat, ask us questions. For some races, we'll have a post-show where we'll go through uh, those questions that you've asked us. Uh, Grid Talk is available on a multitude of platforms, of course, here on YouTube, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search for the Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue of shows. If you're struggling with something to listen to between now and Saudi Arabia, we have like 300 plus shows. Go in, uh, give away a listen. Please consider supporting the channel Patreon so we can get mic slides, better recording equipment, and also we have a store. So if you want to get some merch, yeah, it's all online online for you. So exactly, thank you, Jared. If you, and if you're an audio listener, Jared held up a a good talk mug there. So I want to, of course, thank my two guests with me today and give them a little opportunity to plug themselves. So Jared, where can our listeners find more from you? Yeah, so I write for an Australian website called The Raw about F1 and, and V8 supercars. So you can find my work there. I, I also live blog all the F1 races too. So they're usually a great follow. So yeah, again, thank you, Louis, for hosting and having me on and Alex as well. And because you already plugged the merch, I'm going to uh, mention Formula Talk. I'm looking forward to the next episode to wrap up this weekend if they are doing one with F2 and F3 having kicked off this weekend too. So, yeah, check out Formula Talk. Thank you very much. And Alex, where can our, our listeners find more from you? Uh, I'm not really uh, uh, in the game really at the moment, to be honest. Uh, they can just find me on here, really, which is where I'm happy to be. So uh, I might I might make a comeback into into writing. We'll, we'll see. Time will tell. But at the moment, I'm just happy watching the race and uh, taking part on here. And if you want to find more from the podcast, all of our socials have the exact same handle. It's super convenient for you to find us. So it's at Grid Talk UK. And that's the same on X, Instagram, any social media platform that you want to give us a follow. Uh, even here on YouTube, incredibly. And if you want to find more from me, I am at, at Edwards underscore L underscore G on X. And that's pretty much the only social media you will find me, uh, find me on. So we will be back next week to preview the saudi arabia grand prix but for now thank you very much for listening to the grid talk podcast presented by bet online goodbye